Section number 33 of Glimpses of Bengal by Rabindranath Tagore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shalida, 7th September 1894. As I walk on the moonlight sands, S. usually comes up for a business talk. He came last evening, and when silence fell upon me after the talk was over, I became aware of the eternal universe standing before me in the evening light. The trivial chatter of one person had been enough to obscure the presence of its all-pervading manifestation. As soon as the patter of words came to an end, the peace of the stars descended, and filled my heart to overflowing. I found my seat in one corner, with these assembled millions of shining orbs in the great mysterious conclave of being. I have to start out early in the evening so as to let my mind absorb the tranquillity outside before S comes along with his jarring inquiries as to whether the milk has agreed with me and if I have finished going through the annual statement. How curiously placed are we between the eternal and the ephemeral? Any allusion to the affairs of the stomach sounds so hopelessly discordant when the mind is dwelling on the things of the spirit, and yet the soul and the stomach have been living together so long the very spot on which the moonlight falls is my land and property but the moonlight tells me that my zamindari is an illusion and my zamindari tells me that this moonlight is all emptiness and as for poor me i remain distracted between the two shelida twenty third february eighteen ninety five i grow quite absent-minded when i try to write for the sadhana magazine i raise my eyes to every passing boat and keep staring at the ferry going to and fro and then on the bank close to my boat there are a herd of buffaloes thrusting their massive snouts into the herbage wrapping their tongues around it to get it into their mouths and then munching away blowing hard with great big gasps of contentment and flicking the flies off their backs with their tails all of a sudden a naked weakling of a human cub appears on the scene makes sundry noises and pokes one of the patient beasts with a cudgel whereupon throwing occasional glasses at the human sprig out of a corner of its eye and snatching at tufts of leaves or grass here and there on the way the unruffled beast leisurely moves on a few paces and that imp of a boy seems to feel that his duty as herdsman has been done i fail to penetrate this mystery of the boy coward's mind whenever a cow or a buffalo has selected a spot to its liking and is comfortably grazing there i cannot divine what purpose is served by worrying it as he insists on doing till it shifts somewhere else I suppose it is man's masterfulness glorying in triumph over the powerful creature it has tamed. Anyhow, I love to see these buffaloes amongst the lush grass. But this is not what I started to say. I wanted to tell you how the least thing distracts me nowadays from my duty to the sadhana. In my last letter, footnote one, not included in this selection, end of footnote, I told you of the bumblebees which hover round me in some fruitless quest to the tune of a meaningless humming with tireless assiduity. They come every day at about nine or ten in the morning, dart up to my table, shoot down under the desk, go bang onto the colored glass window pane, and then with a circuit or two round my head or off again with a whiz. I could easily have thought them to be departed spirits who had left this world unsatisfied and so keep coming back to it again and again in the guise of bees paying me an inquiring visit in passing but i think nothing of the kind i'm sure they are real bees otherwise known in sanskrit as honeysuckers or on still rarer occasions as double proboscideans shelida sixteenth falgun 
February 1895. We have to treat every single moment of the way as we go on living our life, but when taken as a whole it is such a very small thing. Two hours uninterrupted thought can hold all of it. After 30 years of strenuous living, Shelley could only supply material for two volumes of biography, of which, moreover, a considerable space is taken up by Doden's chatter. The 30 years of my life would fill even one volume. What a to-do there is over this tiny bit of life. To think of the quantity of land and trade and commerce which go to furnish its commissariat alone, the amount of space occupied by each individual throughout the world, the one little chair is large enough to hold the whole of him. Yet, after all is over and done, there remains only material for two hours' thought, some pages of writing. What a negligible fraction of my few pages would this one lazy day of mine occupy. But then, will not this peaceful day, on the desolate sands by the placid river, leave nevertheless a distinct little gold mark, even upon the scrawl of my eternal past and eternal future? Shalida, 28th February, 1895 I have got an anonymous letter today which begins, To give up oneself at the feet of another is the truest of all gifts. The writer has never seen me but knows me from my writings and goes on to say, however petty or distant the sun footnote one rabbi the author's name means the sun end of footnote worshipper gets a share of the sun's rays you are the world's poet yet to me it seems you are my own poet and more in the same strain man is so anxious to bestow his love on some object that he ends by falling in love with his own ideal but why should we suppose the idea to be less true than the reality we can never know for certain the truth of the substance underlying what we get through the senses why should the doubt be greater in the case of the entity behind the ideas which are the creation of mind the mother realizes in her child the great idea which is in every child the ineffableness of which however is not revealed to any one else are we to say that what draws forth the mother's very life and soul is illusory but what fails to draw the rest of us to the same extent is the real truth every person is worthy of an infinite wealth of love the beauty of his soul knows no limit but i am departing into generalities what i wanted to express is that in one sense i have no right to accept this offering of my admirer's heart that is to say for me seen within my everyday covering such a person could not possibly have had these feelings but there is another sense in which i am worthy of all this or of even greater adoration End of section thirty three